This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to visit with a leader from probably the most compassionate and, and one of the great faith-based systems in the world. We're talking today with Samuel Scriven, and, and Samuel has the fascinating role of mission integration, director of mission integration, and he, he's also served with Providence St. Joseph's Health Center and with the Common Spirit System, is the manager of spiritual care, he's a, a chaplain. What a fascinating background. Samuel, can you take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself and about your role? Sure. You know, like so many in healthcare, we we begin with very personal experiences. And so um, I have a long history of experience in, in healthcare from having a sister who was born with spina bifida to a dad who had a unique disease with scleroderma and died from that. And my wife who had breast cancer and my mom who currently is uh, has cancer and so there's you know a lot of connection to healthcare and when I started in that direction um, the question was what can I do in healthcare that can help help people find the maximum meaning in life and for me it wasn't through medical practices but rather through spiritual wellness and what we always talked about in uh, clinical pastoral education, which is um, being meaning makers. How do we create create meaning out of what can feel like a meaningless experience? And that was my start and introduction into spiritual care and into healthcare. And and here, 15, 16 years later, I've developed um, it into more administrative roles where I'm now, I'm hoping that I'm making more of an influence uh, at the strategic level uh, with culture and uh, with inspiring other leaders to to be mission-driven, values-based people. Thank you. And I've had the pleasure over time, you, you spent a lot of time in the Providence system, which is also one of the great faith-based systems, and now you're with Comet Spirit, and I've had a chance to meet sort of the, the sisters from the order that originally led Comet Spirit, and it's a fascinating crew of, of leadership. Talk about when you look at mission integration, and, and and I sometimes think that Common Spirit, Trinity Healthcare, for example, mm-hmm. it probably we're on their sleeves in the most wonderful, beautiful way. Their passion and empathy, as well or better than any of the other faith-based systems. How do you think about that in terms of the actual sort of combining the mission of what was originally the, the order and and I forget which order exactly you'll know with healthcare, with combining that passion and great competence. How do you sort of look at that? And how do you think about that? Well, like all great organizations, the ones who have lasted the longest are ones who are laser focused on distributing their mission into the communities they serve. So a lot of the, the oldest organizations in the country come from faith-based organizations and they've been laser focused for 
in many uh, in many places, you know, 100, 200 years. So here with Common Spirit and before with Providence, uh, we use our history as a source of inspiration and guidance into the into the future state. Uh, the sisters, many uh, orders use a similar phrase that we need to be, we need to read the signs of the times and adapt into those signs as the culture around us shifts and changes. Uh, we're currently in the hospitalized service currently in downtown Los Angeles, and we have a very complicated demographic of folks we serve from the very poorest in the country uh, with severe mental illness and addiction, uh, not to mention to be surrounded by violence, while also trying to figure out how to serve the high rises. We have uh, some of the wealthiest people just across the street over at crypto.com stadium. And how do, how do we serve both of these uh, demographics in a meaningful way? Well, we, we return to our mission and we decide how do we best uh, express uh, God's healing presence to the world around us. And that's going to come in various ways from community service programs. Uh, as you probably well know, our community benefits programs are very, very robust uh, throughout Catholic healthcare. Um, and then in our inpatient care areas, we are constantly uh, looking for ways to better serve our patients as the demographics shift and change. But it always comes back to the mission. And one of the things that you mentioned is something that like Dean at, at Common Experience always talked about, and I take it that Wright Lasser does now, Kevin Lofton always did, was this fascinating mix of common spirit. And and it's and, and quite frankly, I'd be remiss in not talking about the leadership of Rod Hockman of Providence and Mike Butler mm -hmm. and that group as well. They're magnificent faith-based leaders as well. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Lloyd always talked about was this this exactly what you just talked about, serving in the common spirit sort of platform the wealthiest and the poorest and i take it from a spiritual needs perspective everybody needs their spiritual needs taken care of whether poor or rich it's probably mm -hmm. someplace that everybody needs help and may find lacking particularly in you said something a few minutes ago about we live in the times we're in or something similar to that we have to be in the times we're in in a period of time where behavioral health issues, mental health issues are surging in wealthy and poor communities, what does that mean for someone in your position who's trying to make sure that people are having their spiritual needs met and integrating it well with healthcare? What does that mean? Because behavioral health challenges must also cause a surge in people's need for spiritual help. Oh, most certainly. I, so often uh, when we begin with patients who have um, some sort of mental health crisis, we begin with the existential concerns, not with the medical concerns. Of course, we're addressing those, uh, but for many, they're arriving because of some other crisis uh, internally that's causing them some sort of physical symptom that we need to treat. But we also want to treat the, as we, we talk about in healthcare constantly now, we want to treat the whole person. And so my hope is as mission integration becomes a more normal part in healthcare, that we begin to see caregivers across the board in healthcare use these emotional and spiritual 
their internal spiritual drive to connect with others in meaningful ways that is beyond just a medication or some other type of medical treatment plan that our treatment plan extends to be much bigger than that and and I, I I feel very lucky to have spent so much of my career in Catholic healthcare and worked with some of the most phenomenal emergency di directors and physicians and caregivers who who enter rooms beginning with um, how are you holding up today? Not starting with where's your injury, but how are you holding up? Where are you hurt? And they use that in a very open-ended way to to discover how we can best serve them. And in these communities of Catholic um, healthcare organizations or the uh, hospital, I'm at a California hospital in downtown LA, they refer to the, to the folks who are able to address those spiritual needs. So our chaplains, our social workers, some of our nurses are, are really, really um, great at, at supporting folks in, in this kind of crisis. So so we've been, I've been very fortunate to work in environments that not only encourage whole person care, but really do it, uh, in my opinion, very well. But there's not a lot of us. And so I'm constantly reminding our new caregivers at our orientations, remember, I'm just one. Uh, you also are mission integrators. Go and integrate the mission. And, and let me ask you another question. And I have so many questions. Such a fascinating role that you have, and you're right. There's just it's like it's like behavioral health specialists. There's just not enough, right? Because uh, you know, spiritual health, behavioral health, they tie so closely together. Like you know, like maybe I shouldn't say that to somebody from the church or the clergy might think differently, but it seems like they tie so close together some of these issues. Talk for a second about uh, really. Now, the most famous, and in, in, uh, I'll take you off course for one second, Samuel, and you'll, you'll, you'll let me know if you'll let me go this direction. The most famous chaplain I remember from TV was the chaplain in the TV show MASH, yeah. uh, who, who had a big role, and it was always positive and inspiring. Yeah. Uh, how much do you think about, as you ended up in this role in life, how much do you think about people like that throughout your life that you sort of notice in different ways? Because that, that character in the show was a really positive influence. It was actually a tremendously positive influence. When I think about chaplains, I think about, you know, military hospitals, I think about that person. Do you ever think about that? I, I can't say I think too much about MASH uh, specifically, but I do think about how chaplains are designed to inspire hope and, and create an environment where people feel safe to express both their fears and their eagerness to have those fears relieved. And so when I'm when I'm in a space and when my chaplains are in a space, the hope is that they're entering into that area, creating this tremendous amount of relief for people to feel the burdens of life lifted by some something greater than me. And, and that's that's what we are trained to do is to find and create language that can describe meaning in those hopeless scenarios so people can feel uplifted. You know that we, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many examples and how many interactions I've had where people are in tremendous distress. Um, I, I, we just saw a patient the other day in tremendous distress over um, food insecurity and was discharged and needing help and spending just a little bit of time and 
and listening to them and and willing to shake his hand and and hold his shoulder and bring him we have a map of where the local food distribution centers are within about a four block radius of us and and helping him get to where he needs to go those anxieties are lifted in a small albeit temporary moment but hopefully in a way that inspires them to know that there will be someone else around the next corner to help them make it to the next um, to the next checkpoint and that we're not alone. No, fantastic. And 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 take a, let me ask you this question. And and I, I know I promise not to take too much of your time, but it's so fascinating. How often do you talk to external clergy, whether churches, synagogues, mosques, whatever it might be, in, in terms of your community and so forth? Do you ever do you ever end up talking with the external clergy too to stay inspired to just see what people are thinking? How do how do you sort of look at that? Does, is that part of what you do? Sure. It's not, there's room to grow here. There's a lot of room to grow in this area. Uh, depending on the ministry, we call our hospitals ministries, depending on the ministry we're at, uh, there will be more uh, robust interactions with the community clergy than in other areas. Uh, here, I have a, a couple of contacts, one primary priest I connect with uh, semi-routinely, uh, along with a few other clergy members. But because of our particular demographic being so heavily Catholic, uh, most of my attention is with our uh, local parish, uh, Catholic parish, since that's where we need most of the support. Uh, but but with the uh, post-COVID, uh, when we were not having as much visitation from community clergy, we're still kind of growing those connections again to make sure that our, our community clergy know that we want to invite you here to support your, your congregation. It's important that they have access to them. And, and that's that's gonna continue to grow as the comfort level in, in hospitals grows. And you know all of these visitation hours and things are finally opening up uh, probably in the last year or so, more normal hours, but that's beginning to help. What, what a beautiful, role it we see in the in the in the nation tremendous shortages and getting worse of doctors nurses clinicians of all sorts technicians throughout the ecosystem we're seeing this mismatch of 330 million people in a growing population and, and a real shortage of doctors nurses clinicians of all sorts talk to us about in the clergy area is there also a shortage? How do how do you how do you look at that? Are we I, not just sort of in hospital employment, which not a lot of systems have what you have, mm -hmm. but is there evolving really challenging shortages in the clergy area as well? I can't speak specifically to what those percentages are, but what I can tell you are some of the trends I'm seeing, and some of the trends I'm seeing there are are a mix of clergy hospital clergy, so our chaplains, leaving uh, post-COVID and wanting to uh, look at roles that are not within a hospital. Uh, there is a lot of moral residue for our chaplains who went through those COVID days. So that was hard for them, and they're looking outside. And there's a lot of pastors now who are looking to shift to come toward healthcare. So we're seeing a a little bit of a trade occurring, or at least in my own observation, uh, people wanting to switch where they were over the last three to four years 
looking for a place that they can feel that deep sense of calling again. Uh, but this is this is normal, as you mentioned, across all uh, fields in healthcare. Um, we recognize that we we have some real challenges for um, staffing from doctors and nurses and chaplains to uh, retention. And we know that inspiration and mission is a really important factor to helping people feel connected to their, what I like to call their divine design, that they were engineered to be a doctor, to be a nurse, to be a chaplain. Um, and yet the, the cost of, of being in one of these roles takes a toll. It's a heavy toll. And, and some are not willing um, to stay in that environment uh, for the long term because it's the the distress is too great and we have to find a, a healthy balance uh, we have a ways to go though i suspect no i bet that it is really challenging because you're not dealing with easy problems you're you're dealing with challenges of the soul for people that are really troubled they're very difficult spots so it's probably not a lot of easy days or easy patients to work with i'm sure there's some balance but and I'm sure the paces themselves are a pleasure, but it is a challenging role. It's like it's like being a psychiatrist in another field or an oncologist. We're dealing with all all challenging situations. Nothing mm -hmm. easy. What a fascinating fascinating situation, Samuel. Um, and should I refer to you as Chaplain Scriven? How do you how are you referred to? I should have uh, asked you that at the start. <laughs> no, that's fine. I I tell people my my professional name is Samuel, but I I tell most people to just call me Sam, and uh, uh, but my my if you're looking for an official title, I would be under the Reverend Sam title, but I I like being just called Sam. What a what a pleasure to speak with you. I will use the formal title in, in wrapping up. Um, I what a pleasure to visit. Uh, Director of Mission Integration. What a fascinating and important role, and such an incredibly important role. Uh, we've got a chance to visit with Reverend Samuel Scriven. What a pleasure, uh, Reverend. Thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. What a, what a true pleasure for me. I hope our listeners enjoyed as much as I did. Right, thanks so much, Scott. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm -hmm.